0: way in this morning, you should have received a bookmark for the new year on Matthew's Gospel. And the idea behind the bookmark is this, that as we start a new series this year, and we did this last year, and I think it was reasonably well received, we laid out some of the Sundays uh, to come and the passages of Scripture we would be studying in Matthew's Gospel. And we will be with Matthew through to Easter Sunday, of course, as most of you know. And then on the back, we have put the back to good use by asking a number of questions that we will be coming back to in the course of this series of studies. So please uh, take home your bookmark, put it in your Bible, bring Bible and bookmark with you Sunday by Sunday, and you can be reading ahead in your quiet time in the course of the week as we immerse ourselves in Matthew's Gospel. And of course, what you'll discover is that the more time you spend in Matthew's Gospel, the more that that Gospel will speak into your life. And I think most of us have discovered that as we have sought to follow the Lord down through the years. So please, uh, make use of that. If you didn't get one on the way in, they're still available. You can pick them up as you leave this morning. Our scripture reading today comes from Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 46, and you'll find it on page 1544 of the church Bible. And we're focusing on Jesus coming to Gethsemane the night before his crucifixion, as we mentioned earlier. Again, if you're watching from home this morning, not only are we most grateful, but when we pause here in the sanctuary to pray, feel free to do that at home. When we open up God's Word, feel free to do that at home as well. And Sunday by Sunday, it would be helpful to you to have an open Bible on your lap as we begin to explore God's Word together. So let's begin Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, make this cup be taken from me, and yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not watch over me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Sinners, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Amen, and we trust that God will bless to us this reading of His holy word. As we continue to move into a new year, some of us have already been planning the year ahead. Some of us already have on our calendar dates for graduation come May. Others of us are planning family weddings later in the year. Some of us are planning summer vacations. Others of us will graduate from middle school to high school. Some of us will have children and grandchildren who will either go to college for the first time or graduate and take up a new career. Others of us are wrestling with big issues of starting a new business or buying a business. Others of us are looking at promotion at work or buying a new home. And across the year to come, so many of us will inevitably stand at crossroads, an intersection. And Decisions will have to be made that will shape the rest of our lives and impact our future. And in the midst of those questions there will be some wrestling taking place, especially if the decisions are difficult decisions. Decisions relating to a friendship that has ruptured, turned sour, and a marriage is disintegrating before your very eyes. Some of us will say goodbye to a spouse, as that spouse is involved in an ever-decreasing spiral of dementia and inevitably their death. Others of us will discover that a young niece or nephew or a child has cancer, And we won't quite know what to do. And although we may stand at that junction, we will be asking ourselves, how do I respond? What do I say? How do I maintain a sense of equilibrium and peace and tranquility in the midst of a whole range of questions that may come up this year? And this morning, as we come to focus on the Garden of Gethsemane, The disciples, Peter, and Jesus himself, will stand at that crossroads of decision. A juncture where you will need to decide how you respond to the future and all that it holds. And as we come to Gethsemane, there is almost a sense that we are standing on holy ground. And we come to it somewhat reluctantly. We come to it deeply moved because we understand what's coming. We know that in the life of Christ, he is about to be arrested, tried, tortured, and crucified. And those who love him most... will step back from him and deny him and will scatter in fear. At the point of his greatest need, those who love him most will leave him. And so we come to this matchless, unparalleled, unprecedented scene in the Garden of Gethsemane knowing What's about to take place. If you visit Gethsemane today, the first thing you will notice is that not only is it a garden, but it's also an orchard. The word Gethsemane means to press. It is an orchard filled with olive trees, and still today they will gather olives in large net-like bags, And in the first century, they would gather those bags up and put them on top of a stone pillar, a stone pillar probably five feet by five feet by about five feet high, and it had a little slope running in the center, almost like a channel, and olives would be kept in the bag and placed and scattered across the top. Then weight after weight after weight after weight was added, large concrete slabs to press the olives down so that they could collect olive oil. And the imagery and the symbolism of that is not lost on us, because we know that within the next 72 hours, Christ would go to Calvary And the sin of the world would be laid upon him and laid upon him and laid upon him again until he drinks fully the wrath of God for our sin. And he knows it's coming, and he's tearful and deeply concerned, crying out, Lord, is there no other way, no other possibility And throughout Matthew's gospel, Jesus has been saying, I must go to Jerusalem to suffer and die at the hands of the chief priests and elders of the law. We read that he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He was in charge. He was determining what was to come. He was providing himself as a sacrifice for our sins. We read it in our opening reading this morning. This is my body, broken for you. This is my blood, shed for you. And this morning we gather to remember. And as we stand off to one side, hiding in the shadows at Gethsemane, watching, observing, he never invites us simply to watch, to observe. He never simply says to us, look and appreciate and understand, but he also says, learn. Grasp the enormity of what's about to take place. Appreciate in all of its fullness the love and grace of God that he would lay his only son out as a sacrifice for us. That's what's going on here. That's why we stand on sacred ground. And he takes Peter and James and says, come with me and pray with me and watch. And they don't. And when I come to this passage, I should know better, but it continually surprises me And I think to myself, Peter and James and John, what on earth are you doing? Don't you understand? Hasn't the penny finally dropped? Is it beyond your capacity to grasp what is taking place? Because I like to think I would. I like to think I understand. I like to think that I would grasp what they could not. Then I remember my own sin. Then I remember the moments each week when I turn my back on him. Then I remember the moments when I betray him. Then I remember the moments I let him down. Then I remember the moments that I'm selfish. And then I remember the moments when I hurt those I love. And I turn from him. And then I realize that I would do exactly as Peter, James, and John. And I would let him down. This morning as we come to this table... We remember his body broken for us, his blood shed for us, and we remember that upper room. But we also remember that Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times, but Peter, I have prayed for you. Satan would sift you, Peter, like wheat, going through every aspect of your life, tearing you apart. But Peter, I have prayed for you. And Luke's gospel is clear. And in John's gospel, we also read these words in Gethsemane, where Jesus prays for all of the disciples. And in fact, it's called in John 14 through 17, his high priestly prayer. And at one moment, he says, Father, I pray for everyone who believes. And that's you. And me, that's us. And this year, when you find yourself standing at that crossroads, making good, joyous, wonderful decisions about starting a family, the birth of a grandchild, beginning a new career, buying a new business, or on the other hand, distraught and devastated with bad news, regardless of the circumstance, please remember this. I'm praying for you. I pray for everyone who believes. And in Romans chapter 8, it's crystal clear, about halfway through verses 23, 24, 25, where the apostle Paul writes, when you do not know what to pray for, please remember the Holy Spirit himself is praying for you. Wow. Think of that. Think of that. Now, I am in that blessed position of never a week goes by where someone will stop me, whether it's here at church or in publics or in the street, and they'll say, Richard, you came to mind, I was praying for you this week. I'm not sure I could ever ask for anything greater. And then I turn to Scripture, and I'm reminded, I'm praying for you. And when you're fearful and uncertain, and decisions this year tempt to overwhelm you, come back to Gethsemane, to the great prayer. When he needed his father the most, he was able to trust him and cried out, Thy will be done. The best prayer of all kind, of all time, at the moment of his greatest need Thy will be done, trusting a loving, gracious, heavenly Father. Had him in the palm of his hand, and likewise for us, whatever comes our way. The next few days would be the most difficult days of Peter's life. Friday and Saturday and early Sunday morning before getting to the tomb, he would be regretting everything that had taken place the last 72 hours. He betrayed his Savior, his best and closest friend. And he would be hurting and wounded and broken. And yet, God in all of his grace picks Peter up puts some together again and makes Peter one of the greatest instruments in the hands of God that ever lived. And if you are here this morning regretting your sin, ashamed at who you are, the actions you've taken, the mistakes you've made, this table is just for you. I'm praying for you, he says. You can trust him. Let's pray. Father, as we come to this table this morning, we ask that you would do a deep and lasting work in the very deep recesses of our own souls. Forgive us cleanse us, refresh us, renew us, and grant to us your enabling strength for the year to come. Father, we come with different circumstances and from different situations, but as we enter this new year, as we gather around this table, allow us to remember those powerful words. I'm praying for you. Father, refresh and renew us and enable us to walk with you, not simply this morning, but in the rest of this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.